welcome to Incorruptible Mass. We are here to make sure that we can all transform state politics. We know that we could have a state legislature and state uh, regulations and rules and laws that uh, truly benefit the vast majority of the residents of our beautiful state. Um, and today we are talking about the budget. We are going to be covering a little bit about the governor's proposed budget. Uh, we're talking about where that money comes from, um, how things are getting paid for, um, as well as, you know, can things be changed in the middle of the year? Like what happens next? Um, what are uh, how do we compare with other states? So deep dive into the budget with an amazing special guest um, from the Massachusetts Budget and Policy Center. But before we introduce that person, I will introduce my uh, two regulars. Um, and I will start with Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan Cohn, kind of he, him, his, joining from Boston. And I've been active in different issue and electoral campaigns here in Massachusetts for over a decade and now, which always feels wild for me to say. And Jordan. Uh, my name is Jordan Burke Powers. I use he, him. Um, and I have several years experience uh, in um, Massachusetts politics. And I had the pleasure of also being on the Mass Budget Board Fund. And I'm Anna Callahan. She, her, coming at you from Medford. Um, very uh, excited to do all sorts of local politics as well as statewide politics um, for quite a number of years. Um, and today we have as an amazing special guest, uh, Phineas. Phineas, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you the pronunciation of your last name before we started. That was the thing I wanted to ask you. Baxendahl. Did I say that right? You got it. Wonderful. From the Massachusetts Budget and Policy Center, can you um, just talk a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work and then about uh, the organization you're with? Yeah. Wow. So um, thank you for being here, um, for ha having me here. Um, so my my path to, um, to being a Mass Budget, where I'm the interim president, I'll go back to being policy director there. But um, is through academia. I I would describe myself as a as a recovering academic, and I I was once one of those totally starry eyed people who thought that being an academic meant you know some way that it was a channeling to being a public intellectual, actually changing the world as opposed to kind of fighting over obscure journals that nobody else read. And I got uh, somewhat disillusioned by that and moved into a, a policy world by a variety of steps. And Mass Budget is, you know, we've been around for 36 years or so being a, a think tank that's really focused on improving policy for Massachusetts uh, with a particular eye towards advancing equity, racial and economic equity for the Commonwealth. Amazing. And we are so grateful for the work you do. Really, it is fantastic. Um, so first, I would love it if you could just put in your own words why our state budget is important and why people might ignore it or have their eyes glaze over. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think what um, I'll do that in, in two parts. The first part is I think the to some extent, the budget doesn't get ignored, at least within political insiders, because it's the one one piece of legislation that everyone knows has to pass. Even though people may wring their hands about it passing late, it's the one thing which is going to happen. So everyone tries to use it as a kind of vehicle to attach their other things. So it, in that way, it has a kind of outsized importance. But I think that can obscure the the real importance about the state budget it is if if we think of it as you know um you know budgets are 
not just a, a bunch of numbers that list the value of money going somewhere. They are values in in a more moral sense that they are, you know, how much we are giving to the state police or child hunger says something about how we are prioritizing about these things. It's one thing to always be like, oh yeah, we care about this and we want that. But where the kind of, you know, rubber hits the road is how much resources are you willing to give to those priorities, Anna? Can I just jump in with something? Because I lived in California for a couple of years, and I remember somebody showing me a California state budget over the course of 10 years where you could literally just look at the budget for education and the budget for prisons. And and the amount of money that had been, then gone down, the, the education had gone down, was the exact same amount of money that prisons had gone up. And it was like... <sighs> That was the values that they were doing. Yeah. So we really can think about these things in terms of the values that we share. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, you're totally spot on. And, and it's it's that, um, you know, I think sometimes people think of budgets as something more complicated just because there's a lot of numbers. But fundamentally, the state budget is how we bring together the resources to accomplish the things that we can't accomplish individually. You know, whether it's roads or clean waters or schools, any of that, whatever it is, it's the budget. And for, you know, activists who might be listening to your podcast, also, I think everyone has had the experience where you have a conversation with some decision maker who tells you, well, we might like to do that, but it, it's a budget thing. And we at mass budget are we sort of see part of our job as being like when someone says oh it's a budget thing that should be the beginning of the conversation like oh it's a budget thing well let's talk about where the revenue is coming or how you could do this or that instead of like oh it's a budget thing end of conversation i just want to quickly take and i really like kind of how you're framing the budget is basically how we marshal our collective resources to meet our collective needs as a society yeah Great. And I want to ask you about, um, you know, apparently uh, Governor Healy has released a budget. Do you have anything about that that you want to share with us about the total numbers or about, you know, changes uh, from last last cycle, last year? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a $56 billion budget, um, which is, uh, you know, an increase from what was a $54 billion budget that was passed Um Last year, there are smaller supplements tend to get passed during the year if there's money to do that, and we can talk about that. But basically, this is the the action for how resources get allocated. And and when you ever compare one year to another, it's always good to to say, you know, well, what's what's inflate? Is it outpacing inflation? Is it is the value of it the the what it can buy increasing or not? And and here, you know, the the increase, if you uh, adjust for what inflation is anticipated, it's an increase of less less than one percent uh, from last year. And most of that increase is coming from the fair share amendment, where um, you know they're anticipating more money than they were very cautious about it the first year of that money, and now they're anticipating more money of it. So that's a thirty percent increase in fair share money. The non-fair share money. The non-fair share spending in the budget actually goes down about half a percent uh, in this budget budget proposal, I should say. Yeah, and interestingly, um, it we've covered a little bit of this um, in the last few episodes that the fair share, the amount that the fair share was bringing in, was almost completely 
um, this, you know, the same amount that was cut by um, tax cuts. Um, so are there other places where this rev extra revenue is coming from? Or is that, am I not looking at it in the right way? So, um, so I, I, I think in, in this budget, the fair share money is anticipated at $1.3 billion, which is, um, you know, more than the, the tax cut, which is about a billion dollars. Um, uh, so if, if you look at those two together, you know, we're now in the, the plus zone from, from the fair share money. I do think, you know, for people who had been listening to, to the governor talking about, oh, we're going to you know, double operational support for the MBTA, or we're going to do this for early ed or, or that for higher ed or, or whatnot, there's a real question of, well, given that revenues, like revenues have been lower than expected for six months and there was this tax cut, where is that money going to come from? And, and um, that was a real sort of question co coming into this. Just to tag in, so where where did the money come <laughs> going in going into this? Right to your point, we're noting that that the budget as itself, the size of the budget, has increased as it tends to on a year to year, just based on like a state yeah. grows in population, it grows it grows in need. The budget needs needs to grow accordingly, and if you want to do anything additional, it needs it needs to grow, and that the led and that revenue projections were lower than than expected, um, and the legislature cut money. Uh, including the tax cuts. So all of that, that the fair, the pot of the money from fair share grew from last year, but that there was still to meet that, the, that needed growth, that there would be need to get additional resources uh, from somewhere. So how, how does the math work in the yeah, governor's where budget? Does the, where does the money come? And, and so um, we were kind of honestly skeptical. So to where is this coming from? And, and it's, there's some, you know, some of the things are um, just, you know, there's less people because of federal rules who are on mass health. And so that's, that ends up, mass health is really costly. So there's some savings there. Um, another major area, uh, Anna, go on. Thank you. I just had a little question about that. So you say yeah. um, mass health is really costly. Like, we're we talking a quarter of the budget, a third of the budget, like mass health well, so is... So what is I it? wish this was a simple question. So uh, when you when if you go to our the budget browser at, at at Mass Budget, which I encourage people to do, you'll see that health is is huge. It's you know almost like forty percent, but that's wow. actually a a grand overestimate because mm. most of that money gets reimbursed. That's money which the the state pays out, and then most of that you know seventy eighty percent pandemic can even be a little higher from from that gets reimbursed so we actually have a study that'll come out this year trying to say well if you look at it accounting that how big is it and last time we did this study a few years about go it was i think 28 percent. so it's still biggest thing in the budget but not swallowing the whole budget the way you sometimes hear about it. but i was not far off when i said a quarter yeah yeah <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah. so one part of it is the savings from mass health. There are some other kind of accounts where there was money from the pandemic, the pandemic, you know, all this federal aid created surpluses that are being, that are being used. And then we also have 
absolutely the biggest rainy day fund we ever had from those surpluses. It's a combination of the the temporary surpluses from federal pandemic money and the economy doing well and us having some years of very large stock market gains where where one of the biggest feeders into the rainy day fund is capital gains which is a lot about taxes and real estate um money and that um th that the rainy day fund has now gotten so that it's getting towards 9 billion dollars which is is a whole whole lot of money and so what the what the uh Haley administration proposed is we're not going to draw from that money but instead of having all of the kind of excess beyond a certain threshold uh capital gains go automatically into further swelling that rainy day fund will draw most most of that extra money will make available to the budget so these these are the kinds of things you know they're they're not tricks they're they're some of them are kind of usable in the future some of them are less usable but they they are the kind of answer to the riddle of how do you you know collect you know less money and spend more money i'm just going to ask for comments from the peanut gallery here because um you know, I think uh, it was interesting to chat about this beforehand and, and see that, like, yeah, actually, these are sort of valid, valid places. Yeah, I, I think I think ultimately um, it's it's uh, it's hard, right, because I think there's not, you know, we've been very critical of the tax cuts as well. We should be. And uh, but there were some good things in them that like helped other folks. I think especially when we think about the earned income tax credit, I think that's one that we all agree is like really important and there's some pieces. But ultimately, I think our frustration is that there's just so many things that we need to do to make this state more affordable, to make childcare, which is totally unaffordable, rang it back in. Um, you know, the MBTA is a mess and in crisis. And, and um, you know, we can all like... Arts, there's some schools in Worcester that are hundreds of like over 100 years. But like there's just things that we need to do. And so giving you just could not you could not say that what is actually like the most important is day traders getting a tax cut based on all the things. we. Need. But I do think what's ex what's exciting is that like, yeah, there's some really good things in, in this budget that is being proposed by the governor to that do some of the things we want. And there's some ways that she's paying for it that make a lot of good fiscal sense that, you know, maybe a different governor wouldn't have made. Like, I think it's important we give that credit. And also, like, I think we have to balance it with like, there was just some needless tax cuts that are going to be forever. They're not, unless we figure out how to roll them back, they are gonna continue, not just this budget, not just next budget, but forever. And we're always gonna be trying to figure out ways around it when we could just have that revenue and the day traders literally wouldn't notice a difference and dead, dead billionaires and billionaires definitely don't notice the difference whether or not they whether or not they could pass down the money that they've made. So like that's the problem, right? Is it's like it's all a, these are ultimately choices as we as we said from the get-go. Um, like it's a statement of our values. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and say that, um, you know, budgets are important. Funding things that matter are, this is very important to fund things that matter. Um, we hope that you will take a moment right now to hit pause, look at the link below, pop in there, and you can donate to the show.
right? This show matters uh, in terms of your ability to hear these stories that you will not hear this analysis anywhere else. Um, and for us to build a progressive movement um, that is informed uh, and that can take action together. So please do pop us over with five bucks, hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, any amount is good. Um, it all goes towards um, our, you know, wonderful, young, um, passionate, uh, a few of people who work on this show, making sure that we have graphics and editing, video editing, and all of these sorts of things. So um, none of it goes to us. You know, you, that's maybe a different fund we could set up. <laughs> but um, but just wanted to go ahead and say that. And now we're going to turn it back over to um, Phineas Baxendal, um to talk a little bit about um, where does, where, do, what happens now? Like what, what is going to be the next step? Um, well, if I can, I want to just call out a few things about this budget, which I, I think really are, are notable. You know, one of them are, there were, uh, there were real advances that were made during the pandemic, things like free school meals and, uh, subsidies for uh, childcare providers, which a lot of states are, are pulling back from. And, um, really because of the fair share money that was made available from the ballot initiative, Massachusetts is in this budget now for two years in a row, keeping those things around. So that's something which is really, really worth uh, celebrating as something which was made possible by by fair share. There's also some things that are in this budget which are you know not huge spending items or even zero spending items, but which are also worth celebrating. You know, access to counsel, people who are being evicted, low-income renters or owner occupiers would have some access to counsel. So that that's something which is really important. People have been asking for for a long time and is an outside section of this budget language. Similarly, you know, the prison in Concord would be closed under this budget. You know, not just saving sixteen million dollars. A year, but shifting us a little bit away from that kind of incarceral industrial complex. So those are those are some things which I really I couldn't leave without saying these are things which I really hope people can can help keep in this budget as it keeps moving on. The way this budget will keep moving on is that next the House Ways and Means Committee in April will come up with uh, its budget proposal, which will be followed quickly by a, a vote in the House for a, a final House proposal. And then the same thing will happen in the Senate with the Senate Ways and Means and then the Senate. The two will then conference as they'll have their differences. And then the governor can veto some things. The, the veto can get overrode. In theory, this will all happen before the new uh, 2025 fiscal year starts on July 1st. In practice, it may take even a couple months uh, longer for that to happen. But that's the road ahead. Lots of opportunities for people to go in and tell their legislators, you know, hey, this is really important to keep. Hey, this is something we want to see more of, et cetera. Wonderful. And um, if it turns out that this, you know, for example, we were into the budget and then um, revenues actually change or get worse or get better in unexpected ways, is it possible to change the budget? How does that, how do things happen like that? Yeah, there's usually two now. There's kind of three ways where this will change. Um, if revenues go really south, if, if the, we're not bringing in as much money happens, we could have another round of what we saw uh, in 2024, which uh, was cuts, unexpected cuts that get called 9C cuts, because that's mm. where in the statute it is. 
And um, that would be, you know, that could be really bad for uh, a lot of programs. If And if to remind other- our listeners, that means what you do is you uh, you're never required to to um, cut. Uh, we talked about this before. So you're required to look at what programs you can cut, but you're never required to look at what taxes right. you can. Right. We, it's, it's never one. It's only one direction. We only yeah. cut things. We don't restore recently cut taxes, let's say, on day traders, which could cover a lot of these nights of cuts. Not all of them, but certainly we could have cut. We could have like eased some of that pain. Yeah, or like basically have things go on like a suspension of certain things. One if the budget if the numbers don't work in the budget. Right. Like we it's not possible to say we're gonna start charging sales tax on private jets now because we're in the middle something like that can't just you know ha- happen. Um uh due due to the rules of it. The other thing that could happen is if the there's more revenue available than anticipated, then there will be a supplementary budget. And there's been a lot of that in years, and that can be a real opportunity for uh you know good agendas to to get advanced. And there's a special place where the fair share money, because there's a real delay in how much fair share money they know. So from the first year, the 2023 taxes that's not going to be really until sometime after october are they going to know how much more than the billion dollars was raised and that will be an opportunity for um for that additional fair share money to get spent out on education and transportation and uh phineas could you take a kind of a few moments to talk about the the use of fair share money in the current uh in the current budget cycle so that the governor and kind of in, in her proposal decided to allocate that $1.3 billion uh, to specific programs. Um, the legislature might change those when they put to, when the House and Senate put together their budget, et cetera, et cetera. But any any new new kind of things in, in her proposal that you were particularly excited about? Um, I don't know, say excited about one way or the other. I mean, the, the first time the fair share uh, money was... Uh, the spending was out there. They were pretty 50-50 between transportation and education. This time there's more education than uh than transportation. It's about 42%, 58%, something like that. But it they've moved away from this trying to have 50-50. And then the other thing that they're doing, which is different, is not all of it is for immediate spending. Some of it is to be creating to pay back bonds that they're going to issue for long-term investments, which will get paid back over 20 years or so, which hopefully could address, for instance, you know, things like your uh, school building in in Worcester that you were talking about that would probably be paid for with bonds. Okay, I have, I know you have to go. So I have one final question and I'll let you pick the question. So you can either um, compare us with other states because we talked a little bit about that before we started recording. Or um, if you want to talk a little bit about what if we wanted to do some of these bigger policies that would cost more money, where would revenue like that come from? Well, just some extent I already addressed, spoke just really briefly about other, other states. The states that were cutting back income taxes and such are in real trouble now. Fair share has us even thinking about expanding about new aspirations in a way that's really ex- exciting. This is, as the administration has characterized this as a kind of bridge to additional revenues in the future. And some of that 
can happen perhaps from just normal growth. But if we really want to be visionary, as you say, if we want to do, you know, not just community college being free for people who are over 25, but we want to say all community college, you know, maybe all for low income people, all college, you know, free that those type of things, those types of really game changing visionary things will eventually need uh, more revenue. And, you know, where that will will come from, there's no shortage of possibilities. One thing, you know, where the federal government has been making sort of things pointing towards is um, being able to recapture some of the money that gets lost from uh, multinational corporations doing offshore tax dodging using using kind of like offshore tax shelters. And the federal government has begun to create some infrastructure for beginning mm. to do that and look at that. So that may be an area in the future where there'll be a lot of revenue potential. You know, Minnesota almost passed something uh, last year, which would have brought in a whole lot of money by sort of saying, you know, that money that's on that's in Bermuda or something like that can't that you're saying is in Bermuda can't escape taxation. Wow, I have to say that's very exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. Super exciting. And on that note, um, I want to thank all of our listeners. Phineas, I want to thank you so much um, for coming on here today and also just for the work that you and uh, the Mass Budget Policy Center do. Um, it's really incredible. Uh, we couldn't do the, all of this without you. Um, and everyone, we appreciate you being here and we look forward to chatting with you all next week.